Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew speaks from Genesis chapter 12 through 14 with this message entitled, How to Pass Test, Part 1, preached February the 17th, 2013. All of us want to know how to pass tests without cheating. We want to know how to pass tests of life. Tests of life that God gives through God-ordained troubles of life. No child of God is exempt from these periodic tests. Jesus, the Son of God, was tested and we are told he became obedient to every test. And we read in the book of Exodus, the Israelites were tested. Bricks without straw. Egyptian army pursuing them to destroy them totally. They were thirsty, but no water. They were hungry, but no food. They were attacked by the Amalekites. There was rebellion of the wicked Israelites themselves. Kings, Sihon and Og, fought against them. Jordan was overflowing when they had to cross it. Jericho had high walls. And the gates were barred and locked. Through all these trials, God tested them. And so we read in Deuteronomy 8. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert. These 40 years. To humble you. And to test you in order to know what was in your heart. Whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you. Causing you to hunger. And then feeding you with manna which neither you nor your fathers had known. To teach you that man does not live on bread alone. But on every word that comes. From the mouth of the Lord. Know then in your heart. As a man disciplines his son. So the Lord your God disciplines you. The Lord promised Abram. That he would lead Israel out of Egypt. That God would lead Israel out of Egypt. That they possess the promised land. God again promised this to Moses. And we read in Exodus 3. The Lord said I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out. Because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down. To rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land. A 
land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites and Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. The test is, friends, would you, would believers live by faith in God and his precious promises? Would you fear God and not sin? Would they love God and obey his royal law of liberty? Would they do this all of life? Would they obey God delightfully, immediately, and exactly? Would they hold on to God's promises? Would they be like Joshua and Caleb who had a different spirit and followed the Lord wholeheartedly all of life and entered into Canaan to receive their inheritance? Would God's people fear God like Joseph in Egypt Who said how can I do this wicked thing and sin against God? Would they walk in the narrow way of the word and not turn to the right or to the left of it? Trials, friends, come to all of us. Sickness, poverty, persecution, fiery trials also and we read about it in Hebrews 11 beginning with verse 35 others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison they were stoned they were sold in two They were put to death by the sword and so on. These trials are designed to make us mature and strong. All things must work for our salvation. These trials are God-ordained. To purify our faith. Some of us are going through these trials right now. Don't friends just look at our trials. Our circumstances. Look at Jesus who is with us to help us. Jesus who died and was raised from the dead. Jesus, who had received all authority in heaven and on earth. And if he is for us, who can be against us? He is with us by his Holy Spirit. So we all shall pass the test and enter into our heavenly eternal rest. So now we look at the test. Abraham took 
He is the father of all believers. He is called the friend of God. And his name is certainly great. He is honored by the Jews, Christians, and Muslims throughout the whole world. So test number one. Genesis 12, 1 through 9. When Abram lived in the city of Ur in southern Iraq on the river Euphrates, the God of glory appeared to this idol worshiper. We are told people of Ur and Haran worshipped Sin, the moon god called Sin. He was a sinner, he was an enemy of the true and living God, like his father Terah. The word of God came to him, the word of promise and a condition. He was to leave his country and kindred and his father's house to go to a land God would show him. With his father Terah, he started the 1,000 mile journey, but later he settled in Haran until Terah's death. God appeared to him again in Haran and commanded him to leave to the country God had in mind for him. The word of the Lord contained one condition and seven promises. The condition comes as an imperative. God always commands. And what is that command? Leave your country, kindred, and father's house. Leave the known and the familiar to the unknown and to the unfamiliar. God in effect said, deny yourself, take up the cross and follow me. I'll be your shield and I'll be your reward. This is the test. God demands from us absolute faith and total obedience. Like Noah, Abram found grace in the sight of God. Abram believed and he obeyed the God of glory, the true and living God. And the promises were... First, I will make you into a great nation. Second, I will bless you. Well, everything can be described by one promise. What is it? I'll bless you. I'll bless you. I'll bless you. I'll bless you. God is saying to us, I'll bless you. Number three, I will make your name great. Number four, so that you will be a blessing to people. Number five, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. God is not just God who blesses and that's all he does. He saves and he judges. Number seven, all the peoples on earth shall be blessed in you. 
He believed these promises and he left to be led by the God of glory. God demands obedience of faith from every child of God. Listen to Ruth in the book of Ruth. Naomi told Ruth to go back to her God Malek and to her country and kindred and father's house. Go back, go back, go back. God gives you choice. Go back. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you where you go. I will go where you stay. I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God, where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever more severely, if anything but death separates you and me. So the word tells us if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. You will be blessed. He is Lord and we are his obedient slaves. Christian life is an exodus. God leads his dear children along. From the land of slavery to the land of liberty. A land flowing with milk and honey. And he leads us through the wilderness of trials and testings. And in him the elect will pass all tests. Leave God says. He demands separation from worldliness, from sin. His people are a holy people. Be turned from sin and turn to God. We repent and we believe. Separation, sir, not compromise. 2 Corinthians 6 Do not be yoked together with unbelievers For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Nothing! Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God as God has said I'll be with them and walk among them and I'll be their God and they will be my people. That's the heart of the covenant. Therefore come out from among them and be separate says the Lord touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. You cannot serve God of glory and the idol of moon God. There is a high cost in Christian discipleship. We must leave sin and cleave to Jesus. Ho hagios to you, the Holy One. How can two walk together unless... There is agreement. 
Be holy for I am holy. The cost, sir, the cost. Jesus said in Matthew 10, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Or in Luke 14, large crowds were traveling with Jesus, turning to them. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife, his children, his brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything... He cannot be my disciple. You cannot serve two masters. God and the world. Jesus and cash. St. Paul says in Philippians 3. But whatever was to my profit. I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Abraham obeyed by faith. His was obedience of faith. And so we read in Hebrews 11 and verse 8, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive us his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. But don't worry about that. God leads his dear children along. Jesus is the way. Faith without obedience is the devil's faith, not saving faith. So Abraham believed, he obeyed, he left his country, kindred, and father's house with his wife Sarai, nephew Lot, his servants, and all his properties, cattle and cows. The Lord brought him to Canaan, safe and sound. So we read in Genesis 12, 7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. God said in effect, this is the land I promised to you. Stay here by faith. There he built an altar and worshipped God. No longer he is an idolater. By building an altar, he is saying to everybody, let everybody know, I'm a worshiper of the God of glory. Friends, believers are worshipers and that's why we are here this morning. We don't stay home. We worship God. God asked me also, your pastor, To leave the country, kindred and father's house and be a blessing 
to people in a far country. So I am a blessing to you and every one of you is a blessing to me. He passed the first test. Test number two. Genesis 12, 10 through 20. Friends, Christian life is one test after another. We graduate when we die. Would Abraham pass this one? God sent a severe famine to the south of Canaan called the Negev. Abraham had servants and animals. But all of a sudden, no grass. It was a test of faith. Did he pray? Did he seek God who appeared to him now three times? Did he call upon the name of the Lord who promised to bless him? He did not. He trusted in his own understanding. He went to the green country of Egypt Why should one pray when he can use his head? No grass in Canaan? No problem. There is grass in Egypt. So go to Egypt. But God did not command him to go to Egypt. He told him to stay in Canaan. Isaiah said in chapter 31, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. One sin leads to another sin. He was gripped with fear. He asked his wife to lie. He became focused on himself not on God. This is what sin does. He did not love his wife sacrificially. He let his wife be taken by another so he would not be killed. He probably thought she is barren anyway. This way I can have a younger Egyptian wife and build a family through her. But thank God the Bible says if we are faithless, he will remain faithful for he cannot deny himself. Yes, God was faithful to him in spite of his failure. So God sent severe plagues to the household of Pharaoh. So he sent Sarai back to Abram unmolested. Pharaoh rebuked Abram for his lying and he had no reply. And Pharaoh deported him. Go back. It's a lot of waste of time. And effort and money when we don't walk with the Lord, when we tend to the right and to the left. We make wrong decisions. It's all a loss. You just made your little decision. You didn't pray. You didn't go to the church and meet with the elders or pastors. Hey, what do you think about this idea? Test 
Number two, he failed miserably. Test number three, chapter 13, 1 through 18. There was fight between servants of Abraham and Lot. Not enough grass for all the animals. Of course, God did not call Lot at all. God only called Abraham. And the land belongs to Abraham. And the grass belongs to Abraham. Yet Abraham trusted in God to provide. So Abraham magnanimously gives Lot the right of first choice. So he chose for himself all the green Jordan Valley. He made his decision based on grass, on cash. He walked by sight. Abraham has learned to walk by faith in God. So Lord looked up. He saw grass. He coveted. He chose for himself the best grassland. But he did not know. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Lord is a worshipper of cattle and culture. His ambition was to live in a house in Sodom and become a powerful judge. It appears he married a pagan wife in Egypt. She too loves culture. She hates the life of a pilgrim living in tent. She hated Abram's God. Be careful whom you marry, sir. So Lot looked towards Sodom. He pitched his tent towards Sodom. And later he settled in Sodom. He became a judge in Sodom. He pledged his two daughters to be married to pagan sodomites. This is what happens to people who make decisions without God and without biblical counsel. There is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof is a way of death. Abraham learned a lesson. He would not lean on to his own understanding. He waits. He is patient. He wants God to choose for him. And God appeared to him again. Saying to him, lift up your eyes and see what I have chosen for you. Genesis thirteen fourteen through 18. The Lord said to Abraham, after Lord had departed from, lift up your eyes from where you are and look north, south, east, west. All the land that you see, I will give it to you and your offspring forever. Didn't he say, I'll bless you? And he blesses you with one blessing after another blessing and another blessing. 
The Bible says in Jeremiah, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And you go home and read Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14. I'll bless you, I'll bless you, I'll bless you when you go, I'll bless you when you come. I'll bless the fruit of your womb and so on. I'll make you the head and not the tail. I say Abraham passed the test number three with flying colors. Test four, Genesis 14, 1 through 24. We learned Lord chose badly. He chose worldliness. He chose culture. St. John says in verse John 2, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boasting of things comes not from the Father, but from the world, the world and its lusts pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. James, the Lord's brother, said, Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. You know what happened in Genesis 14, four kings and their armies came and defeated five kings, including the king of Sodom. And there was no one to help Lot. He lost everything. So Abram, together with 318 of his servants born in his house, together with a few neighbors, went all the way to Dan, Near Caesarea Philippi, this place originally was known as Laish, and routed the four kings and their armies and delivered the captured people and their goods, including Lot and his family, and came back victoriously. God had promised him, I will curse those who curse you. God gave him victory even as God gave victory to Gideon and his 300 men. As God's spirit came upon Gideon, the spirit of God came upon Abraham and his men and the victory was won. This is proven by Melchizedek's doxology. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of the Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram, God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. God Most High delivered your enemies into your hand. 
Yes, to the victor belongs the spoils. And yet, Abram refuses to take anything from the king of Sodom. Sir, he learned to trust in God to provide for him. And he would call him Jehovah Jireh. He passes the test of faith again with flying colors. What's the score, sir? Three to one. He has to go on trusting and waiting for God's precious promises to be fulfilled yet. Wait for 25 years, for Isaac, 600 years for the nation, the great nation Israel. 600 years to possess the land and 2,000 years for the Messiah Jesus in whom all the peoples of the world would be blessed friends God can be what sir trusted God can be trusted and Joshua said in Joshua 24 the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sown to give their forefathers not one of their enemies withstood them not one of all the Lord's promises to the house of Israel failed every promise was fulfilled And St. Paul says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are what, sir? Yes! In Christ. And so through him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. God can be trusted, sir. Friends, our God can be trusted. Let God alone be true and every man a liar. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, the son of God, the son of Virgin Mary, that you may be saved today? Will you stand the test when testing comes? And it will come, sir. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but They have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. St. Peter says in 1 Peter 4, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. As though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the suffering of Christ so that you may be Overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Peter says, These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Or James, his brother, says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and so on. Let me say a few words to you by way of application. God's call 
that is his effectual call comes to every elect sinner in the preaching of the gospel and it says leave country kindred and the father's house set out in faith following the author and finisher of our faith Jesus Christ number two in all of life walk in faith not by sight and you shall pass the test number three Know that when we become faithless, Jesus remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Number four, professors who confess Christ will be tested to prove their faith and purify their faith. Peter was tested, he passed. Demas was tested, he failed. Because he was a fraud. There are a lot of false professors in God's church. They are chaff which the wind of the spirit drives away. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Romans 8, 7 says... The sinful man is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Nor can it do so. Jesus said no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. Number six. Be a worshipper at the altar of Christ wherever you go. Abraham built... No altar in Egypt. Sin and worship do not mix. Number seven. Christian walk is following Jesus in his footsteps. So we are told to walk in the newness of life. Walk by faith, not by sight. Walk in the spirit. Walk in love. Walk in the light. Walk in truth. And walk even as Jesus himself walked. It's a good policy to ask. What would Jesus do in this situation? I'm facing a situation. Jesus is the way. What would he do? And you wait and he'll tell you which way to go. You will hear a voice from behind. A small voice. This is the way walk in it. Heavenly Father we pray that you cause the word to sprout, to grow, to blossom to bring forth fruit 30, 60 and 100 fold by the operation of your Holy Spirit in Jesus name. Amen.